0: Lord, thank you. um, Thank you for seasons. Thank you that you set them out. Lord, thank you that last night you killed all the mosquitoes by that freeze. Lord, we see your goodness in that. Lord, thank you for um, your people, the ecclesia, the gathered ones that believe in your name that are here this morning. Lord, thank you for your word that we want to look at this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds, lead us into all truth. Show us Jesus this morning. God, would you move me out of the way? Would you speak to us through your word? We love you because you love us. Amen. Well, um, you're going to see a picture here. Uh, big surprise it 's a surfing illustration, because that 's what I do every time. Uh, surfing or navy seals it 's one of those two. So this is a picture of a wave called Belongin. Um, it 's a beach in Indonesia, And uh, this particular day, um, I was on my honeymoon. Katie was on the beach reading you know some 18th century British novel per usual i 'm you know, surfing, playing around. And uh, this, this huge set comes out of the depths, and I see it, and I'm kind of running for my life. And this was the third in the set, and I was at a place uh, without getting too much into it. I basically had to take this wave, uh, or else I was going to die, I thought. So, here I am. I take this wave. Um, now I'm having a blast because I'm shooting down the line, having a, uh, a ton of fun until this moment. So, Same wave, about five seconds later, the same energy is pushed down the reef shelf. And this is a problematic spot because um, this is where everybody gets really hurt at that wave. Um, The the water is normally a lot more shallow. Uh, The reason why I went from tranquil beauty to, like, angry death ocean is because the shelf, the reef shelf, rose up there. It's really sharp. And so at this moment, I realize this is going to go really badly. And see how the the nose of my board is off the water? That's because right then I just hit a little phantom chop on the face of the wave. And so the photographer got this kind of in a sequence. And the next one is you don't see me because I, I'm gone. Okay? So I've surfed this wave probably 100 times. I know what to do, um, it's my honeymoon, so I'd been working out quite a bit, and so my, my cardio game was on point, um, but I also know that this is a really dangerous spot to fall, and so I did what I normally would do, and I grabbed my head, because you don't want to hit your skull on the reef, and, um, and some surfers will call this, when you're getting worked, it feels like um, you're a rag doll in a pit bull's mouth, and he's just going to town. Like, it feels like there's so much pressure, and it's so loud. It feels like your limbs are about to be ripped off. But I know this, and so I'm telling myself, okay, at some point, you're probably going to hit the bottom, and it'll break your arm, but at least it won't break your head. You got this. Like, don't struggle. Don't use up the oxygen in your blood. Just let it happen. That's what, that's what you have to do. So about 10 or 15 seconds go by, which is kind of the normal amount of time for this wave. And I'm counting it down, telling myself to be calm. And I get to the point where it should release me and I should be able to swim to the surface. And that doesn't happen. So I say, okay, stay calm. Don't move. Protect your head. Another three or four seconds goes by, which doesn't seem like a lot of time. But it's, it's like panic is starting to set in. Well, then another four or five or six seconds goes by. And my lungs start to burn. And I've been in this position before. um, And I know what to do. You don't panic. But something weird happened. It felt like my lungs were saying, Okay, buddy, you got two seconds. You got two seconds. And I don't know why I felt this. But it felt like in two seconds, I was going to involuntarily take a breath, which is not good because I was in water. And so I prayed. And I said, Jesus... I need you to fix this. Like, if you don't get me to the surface in two seconds, like, I'm going to come to Narnia, which will be great for me, but, like, my wife is there, and we've been married for four days. Like, that's not going to go well for her, right? And, of course, he saved me, literally. I mean, by the time I got to the beach, you could see my jugular was like, I mean, it was just protruded because I was so um, out of breath. Um, I was in a truly desperate situation. Like, there was nothing that I could do to get out of it except wait. Um, swimming didn't work. My A&M degrees didn't work. My tiny bank account at the time didn't work. Like, there was nothing I could appeal to. For help except for Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever been in a desperate situation. Maybe uh, you got fired and the bills are mounting. Your mom called and said, dad has cancer. You've been working for eight years to get into a certain grad school program and you just got the letter saying you're denied. You don't have good enough grades or you don't have a padded enough resume. In our story this morning, we come to a man who is truly desperate. He's not a guy that's looking for a parlor trick from Jesus. He's a desperate man. His son has this terrible fever, and he's about to die. Nothing else has worked, and so he runs to Jesus. And so what we're going to see this morning is that Jesus is going to heal his son, but he's going to do something even more incredible. He's going to take this man from desperation to deep, Saving faith in Jesus. Um, We're in this three year, hopefully, uh, series in the book of John, and the subtitle of it is That You May Have Life. That comes from John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. I want to read that for us real quick. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which have not been written in this book. But these, the ones that you have, these ones that are recorded, have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's what we're after. We're after finding where life is, and we find that it's in his name. And our passage this morning is a story that does that. So we can have confidence that the passage that we're looking at this morning in John chapter 4, and you guys can start turning there was recorded. It was written down that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that you might have life in his name. We're in verse 43, if you guys want to follow along with me. Um, Two weeks ago, we heard the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Um, We saw that love met this woman at a well who was desperate for something to quench her thirst. Then last week, We saw that mercy showed up at the pool of Bethesda with a man that was desperate for healing from Jesus. And today we pick up the story as Jesus heads north into Galilee. So we're in 43. After the two days, he went from there into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him having seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they themselves had also been to the feast. So real quick, um, Galilee is a region. It's not a town. It'd be like the hill country for us. So Galilee is the hill country. It's a region he's passing through. And we know from this that the people of this region know who Jesus is. We don't know if some of them were at the wedding in Cana um, Maybe some of them were. Some of them clearly were in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, and they had seen Jesus do some really cool stuff. He was presumably teaching with authority. seems that he's done some miracles there. And so they hear that Jesus is coming, and so they receive him warmly. He's basically a celebrity at this point. Then we meet this man in verse 46. When he came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water into wine, 908 bottles, if you're guessing, if you're wondering. And there was a royal official whose son was sick, Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and was imploring him to come down and heal his son, for his son was at the point of death. So we've got a royal official. Um, He's probably a part of Herod's household, part of his court. So he's got money, he's got power, he's got influence. Um, Presumably, he's tried to use those three things and leverage them to get the best medical care possible for his son. And none of those doctors and none of the medicine that they prescribed worked. So we've got a man that's truly desperate. He's got nowhere else to go. So he travels to meet Jesus. He's heard about Jesus before, knows something about him. Then he hears that Jesus is traveling through his region, so he goes to get him. He was desperate. He needed healing to happen. And so what I want us to pause in real quick is that this man may not have a really deep faith at this point, but there's a faith there. He knows enough of Jesus to know that at the end of his rope, Jesus is the only one that can help. He's running in the right direction. Then we pick it up in verse 48. And Jesus uses a good old Texas y'all. He says, unless y'all see signs and wonders, y'all simply will not believe. So he's talking to this man who's come to him. He's having a private conversation, and then he flips it to where the crowd gets the benefit. And he says, unless y'all see me do something crazy, y'all will not believe. It's an interesting thing here. Why would Jesus say this? Will they believe if they don't see a sign or a miracle? Um, Remember what John 20 said. These things have been written down so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. So everybody that read this, by the time this was pinned on a piece of parchment, Jesus was long gone. And these things have been written that you might believe. But he's addressing the crowd and saying, if y'all don't see me do something crazy, y'all won't believe, right? It's an important question for us, too, because it's been about 2,000 years now since Jesus has been at the right hand of his Father. Will we believe if we don't see a miracle? It's a question that gets at the object of our faith. Then in verse 49 We pick it back up, and the royal official says this, Sir, please come down to my house before my child dies. Jesus says, Go. Your son lives. Go. Your son's going to be just fine. So we've got a man who is desperate. We've got a man who has gone to the right place. We've got a man that um, really should be assuming the thing that we would assume is that Jesus has to be physically present to perform this healing. Um, if, If your kid is in ICU and you see doctors walking past all day long with medicine, you would assume that they need to come into your kid's room to deliver the medicine, right? So Jesus does something different. He says, I want to take your faith deeper. You have enough faith to come to me in desperation, but I want you to trust me at my word. He hasn't done this before. Go. Your son is going to live. This official starts walking. He puts his faith into action, and he believes that Jesus will do what he said he was going to do. Um, we know that Jesus heals the boy. We have we just heard it in the gospel reading. But what I think what's the point of this um, passage for us is that Jesus doesn't just heal the boy. He's doing something in this man's heart. He's taking this tiny seed of faith, and he's developing it. He's nurturing it. He's causing it to grow into a deeper saving faith. Um. There's a progression of faith here. We're going to see if this works. Um, There's a progression of faith that we see in this passage, and we're going to get to that, what it ends up being in a couple minutes. But this is what I see at Young Life. I see a progression of faith in Young Life. Um, This is Monday night, okay? This is Monday night. I don't know if this is going to work. It's not working, is it? Okay, that's not a Christian song. Well, it kind of is, actually, if you listen to the lyrics. But Monday night at club, we we jump around and we get real sweaty and we have a ton of fun singing Avicii songs and Justin Bieber songs. And it's a blast. But that's not the point of young life. The point of young life is that unchurched students would get to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and believe him at his word. But club is meant to be this fun kind of on-ramp for that person's faith journey. And what I see here in our text is that Jesus is doing the same thing. He's taking him from needing him and deepening his faith to a point where he knows him. And I love this progression of faith. See, we're going to see that um, this man believes a couple of times in our story, and each time it gets progressively deeper. Somehow, somewhere, he's heard something about Jesus enough when he's in a crisis to go to him. And now he's asked to take Jesus at his word, and by his obedience, we see that he does, and he starts walking. And then we get to the end of the story in verse 51. And as he was going down, his servants met him, and they said that his son was living the miracle happened. The healing happened. And so he inquired of them, what hour was it that he began to get better? When did the fever leave him? And they said to him, it was yesterday at the seventh hour. And the father thought back and remembered that it was at that moment when Jesus spoke it that his son was healed. And he himself believed so there's something in this man when he finds out that the moment that Jesus spoke this word of healing that his faith goes all the way he goes all in with Jesus as we say in young life something about knowing that that moment is when Jesus did it takes him to true faith Right? there's this progression of at first he needs Jesus as kind of like a genie Like, I just need you to do something for me. And now we see him, he gets to this place where he really believes. He was a fan of Jesus at first, now he's a follower. He was dependent or desperate, sorry, he was desperate at first, and now he's going to be dependent on who Jesus is. And so we can assume that this last he believed is the moment when his faith was really deepened and really strengthened. Our official does the same thing that the Samaritan woman did a couple weeks ago. I'm going to read it for us. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things that I've ever done. Further, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior. Of the word, world. So I love that um, his faith, as his servants are coming to tell him the good news about his son being healed, he then turns around and says, Dude, it was, like, it was literally at this exact moment when Jesus said it. So he gets to deliver the good news to them. And what happens? He himself believes and his entire household. So what we see is that faith is infectious. I think what we see is that when we believe, people believe our belief. When we really believe, we then go and tell, we share it. And people believe as well. Um, Before we march any further, and we're almost done here, I promise, there's a group of us, maybe all of us, um, that are looking at, these, at this passage and we're looking at this healing thing and we're hearing, okay, faith is necessary for eternal life. Um, faith is a part of healing, um, knowing where to go. But what if you're really faithful and you really believe and Jesus doesn't seem to heal your dad? Like, what if you're in a place of desperation and you're praying and you're believing and you know that he heals? I mean, hang around this building for a little bit. You'll get healed of something, right? Like, Jesus heals. Jesus healed this man's son. He healed this man's soul. But if you've been in that place where you're asking and you're seeking and you're knocking and he's not answering the way... You would want him to or in the timing that you want, I would encourage us to remember the truest sign, the truest miracle, and that's that Jesus came. He broke into humanity to save us. Um, Most of you know this story, but April of 2015, was that last year? Yeah, that was last year. Um, Katie and I were, were pregnant and we went into the, the s- ultrasound, sonogram, whatever the, the warm goo, yeah, whatever that is. So Katie gets on the table, um, baby girl's going to be nine or 10 weeks old at this point. Um, no heartbeat. And this would be our fourth miscarriage. We're, um, I mean, we made her do it like four or five times. Like, are you sure? Could the baby just be turned? Is your monitor not working? Why is your machine stupid? Uh, Just everything we could think of, right? And so we're in this place of being heartbroken. But I left the medical center that day full of faith. We were coming up on Easter weekend, and I was convinced to the core of my being that Jesus was going to resurrect that daughter in Katie's womb. How cool would that be, right? Most of you prayed for that. I had people praying all over this globe that God would resurrect my daughter in Katie's womb. And then we'd march back into the medical center that Tuesday or Wednesday. I can't remember what day it was. And she would do the... And we'd see the heartbeat. And that that lady would get saved immediately, right? And then the whole doctor's office would get saved, and then I was going to post it on Facebook, and literally my entire family would get saved, the ones I've been praying for for like 25 years. And I kept saying all weekend, "Jesus, this is going to be so awesome when you do this. I believe, I believe, I believe." "Lord, how much glory are you going to get from this?" Like, that's not normal. Babies don't just come back to life in the womb. So we go back in, and you know, there's no heartbeat. And obviously it was um, heartbreaking and devastating. And we asked the question, why? And I would just tell you, I don't know. We still don't know. But what's really beautiful is almost 365 days later, I was holding Addison Joy Carpenter in my arms. And through it all, the only one we could turn to was Jesus. Through it all, Jesus was the only one who knew. And so in our lives, there's these wounds. These losses and these sufferings that are not yet revealed as to why they're hap- they've happened. But I believe that God uses them. And so if you're waiting right now, I would say keep waiting. Keep hoping. Keep praying. And we know from the New Testament that Jesus didn't heal everybody that he came into contact with. Hang around here long enough and you'll believe in healing, trust me. Jesus heals today ask but he may not answer it in the way that you want or on your timeline he'll heal that cancer at some point I tr- trust me just might be a Narnia so I think for us like the point of our text is more than the fact that Jesus can heal with just a spoken word I think it's that Jesus is looking to heal not just our bodies, but our souls, right? Because the official son died. He died sometime later. We don't know when. And the official died and everybody that was there that day has died and all of us will die. So the point of Jesus coming isn't that we wouldn't have disease and death, right? It's, it's that we might have life, eternal life, that we wouldn't suffer a second Death. Remember what 20, 30, and 31 says. These ones have been written down so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. See, John's gospel is written to point us to true life. When we hear these stories of miracles, we, we see them in our midst. And that's not the the end of it, right? The healing is not the end. The point is that it would point us to Jesus, that we might have eternal life. As we close this morning, maybe you haven't seen a sign or a wonder. Maybe you've not seen your prayers answered in this particular area. But I would say this to us all. If you're a Christian this morning then you've seen the miracle. You've seen the sign, the wonder. And that's the fact that John 1 makes clear. Jesus steps out of heaven. He lives a perfect life. He willingly goes to the cross so that you might have life. That's the miracle. Jesus came to save us. Jesus came to heal our souls. Jesus came to heal our brokenness and to set us free from sin. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to your table this morning, Lord, remind us that this bread and this wine is a picture of your great love for us. Lord, remind us that you initiated. Lord, remind us that when we were still enemies of you, you went on the greatest rescue op in the history of the universe. Jesus, I thank you that you heal us now. Lord, I thank you that you um, do miraculous things all across this world and in this city and in this neighborhood. Lord, we believe that you still do that. But Lord, especially as we um, approach the Christmas week, let us remember that the primary reason you came was to set us free from sin and death. Lord, that we might not suffer a second death, that we might have life in your name because we believe that you are Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus, we need you. Every single moment, we need you. Lord, remind us of that this week as we get into your word and as we pray and we um, have fellowship with one another, remind us of our need of you and remind us of your great love that secured our life. Amen.